This teaching is from City Church Coventry. You can find us online at www.citychurchcoventry.org. Open your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 14. And um, we read this in full last week. We're just going to jump into 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. Because I want to talk today about the purpose and the practice of prophecy. But actually, we're just going to do one aspect of what it says here. And in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, it says this. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and their consolation. Now, we, we talked quite a bit last week about building up. And how Paul was basically saying through 1 Corinthians 14, he was saying to the church, look, everything that happens has got to be with this one objective of building up the church. Um, And if we actually go back and read the verse that some translations can't decide is the end of chapter 13 or the beginning of chapter 14, which is, you know, follow the the way of love and I will show you an even more excellent way. It also tells us that our motivation for for moving in any spiritual gift is one of love. It's never to kind of show off or it's never to kind of, as it seemed to be with the Corinthians, to kind of pull spiritual rank and show how spiritual you were. Or out of a a sense of wanting to kind of um, put yourself in a position of prominence. It's out of a love and it's out of a desire to do what Jesus himself is doing. He said, I will build my church. And it's a desire to join in with that. We're going to build up. But I'm not going to talk about that today. And then it says, the second thing it says that prophecy for is encouragement. Now, I'm not going to talk about that at all today because I know that both Paul Nicholas and Deborah Lyon want to speak on encouragement. Because that's what that, at least that's what they've told me now. You never know. It may change. So I want to talk about consolation. Consolation. It's not the prize that you get if you don't get the main prize. It's something much more powerful than that. And first of all, one of the ways to tell, here's a little aside, and we'll try not to do too many of them. But if you ever, ever have a sense of, I think God is speaking to me, and he's speaking to me for, for others. He wants to speak through me. He wants to speak his word through me. That's kind of, if you like, a definition of prophecy. God speaks through me for the benefit of others. You can ask yourself, you can, you can apply a little checklist to yourself. Is it an upward? Because all of these words are upwards. You build up, you stir up, and you cheer up. Okay, build up, upbuilding, stir up, encourage, cheer up, consolation. So is this word going to leave people up? Is, the, is, is this going to benefit their lives? But consolation, actually, it doesn't just mean kind of like the booby prize, and it doesn't just mean to cheer someone up. Consolation is a powerful word in, in the New Testament. In fact, there are two words that the Bible, the New Testament uses that are translated sometimes consolation or comfort. Comfort is probably a, a word that's easier for us to get our heads around. The idea that the prophetic word comes to bring comfort. And there are two words that in the New Testament, in the Greek language, are translated to this for us. And, and they're very difficult to say, so I may have a go at them once, but thereafter we won't. One of them is, the one that we're reading here, consolation, is paramithiome. I was expecting a round of applause, but no. Uh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't mean the same. Um, 
And the other one, the other one we're a little bit more familiar with is paraklesis, from which the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the, comfort, the comforter, that we, we use that, that Greek word into English, don't we, paraclete. It means a comforter. Um, and, and so, but the word we're using here is the form, but they both mean similar things. And so the, the first word, the word that we're using here for consolation means to, to speak alongside. So the para means alongside, and the other bit means to speak alongside. And, and paraclesis, or the paraclete, means the one who, who comes alongside, okay? who walks alongside. And so they're both about kind of this idea of, of, of solidarity, I guess. But one of the distinctions, apparently, according to some books I've read, one of the distinctions about the way the Bible uses this word is that while paraclesis and the idea of the comforter is often, a, it's the action of God towards people. And it's looking forward to this kind of eschatological hope of, of all things being made new. But the other word that's too difficult to say for me to say it a second time, actually is always given as an action of humans towards one another. That it's a very human, earthly, here and now, being along, coming along, I'm speaking with you, encouraging you, comforting you. Lifting you out of trouble, but first getting into the trouble with you. And I love the idea that prophecy is for consolation. When consolation means I'm going to come and get into the place you're in. In order to help get you out of it. In Jesus' time, there was a, a, there was a role within society of people who were called comforters. And we get examples of this in... In the, New Test- in the Gospel accounts. So you know the story of Jairus' daughter. And also the story of Lazarus. So two stories of resurrection actually. So in the story of, G- of Jairus' daughter. Jesus turns up. Even though they, they, you know, Jairus comes to say to Jesus. Will you come? I'll give you the references here. Mark 5. Will you come and pray for my daughter? She's really sick. And while they're on the way. Some of the people from the house come and say. Don't bother the teacher anymore. The, daughter, the girl's died. But Jesus says no. I'm coming anyway. He gets there and he's confronted with a room full of comforters. That was their title. But what they were doing is they were, they were mourning and crying and they were there and they were sympathizing with the family. That was their role. But their sympathy was making no difference to the actual situation. The girl was still dead. And whilst sharing grief can be a helpful thing, Jesus had something altogether above and beyond that that he intended to do, didn't he? Because she said, she's not dead like you, as you suppose. She's just asleep. And he throws the people who, who are just, just acting in, in, in the, in, out of the best human motives and about, out of the best efforts that they've got to try and bring some sense of comfort to the family. But he says, look, you get out. I've got something more powerful I want to do here. And of course, he takes her by the hand. He says... Little girl, I say to you, get up. And she does. And Jesus went into that place. He went into the place of grief and suffering. And We're not told that Jesus got particularly emotionally engaged in that. But in the other story, the story of Lazarus, who was kind of one of Jesus' best friends. Which you read about in John 11. Jesus is... is crying kind of famous for being the shortest verse in the bible isn't it john eleven thirty five? jesus wept but isn't it amazing that he knew what he was going to do he knew that he was probably only minutes away from celebration 
And yet he joined in and cried. And again, it says that there were comforters there. And this time there's even some kind of sense of hope because Lazarus's sister, I can't remember whether it's Mary or Martha, dad will know, says, oh, I know that, you know, in the resurrection. Mary, Mary thank you. <laughs> I know in the resurrection that we'll see him again. You know, she had an ultimate hope. But Jesus came and said, I'm, I'm coming to bring hope into the here and now. But he came and got involved in the situation to the point that he wasn't, he wasn't sad because he thought Lazarus was dead forever. He was just sharing like any human, because he was fully man. Any human would. He was sharing in the grief of the time. But he was going to get in there and lift them out of that grief. And I think Jesus becomes our model then for what it means to prophesy for people's consolation. By replacing a hopeless morning with a hope that God is going to do something. You know, we don't find that every time someone dies, they get resurrected. We know that doesn't happen. It's, it's a sign. It's a wonder when it happens. We even know by experience that not every time we pray for someone that's sick do they get better. But we can hear Amar's story of for, whatever, 15 years with these things. And then for two or three years of, of really on a roller coaster of, I believe it's going to happen. Oh, I'm not sure I do believe. But other people saying, we believe. and we're, They were coming alongside and they were speaking into the situation. And I think, and I want to take what, what Daniel came and shared and bring this in here. Because... We're very good, and I think as a community, you are very good. We are very good at getting alongside people in times of difficulty. But I believe there's there's another level for us to step into in that. Which isn't just the being there, and isn't just the, like it says in in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, it says, um, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who fall asleep, so that you do not grieve as the rest who have no hope. Death affects us differently because we know our ultimate destiny. Yeah, and 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 you can, as a, as a believer and as someone who has a clear idea of of of, of what Jesus is is ultimately doing and, and how things will ultimately be when He returns and the dead in Christ will rise and live with Him forever, and we're who's still alive will be changed and transformed in a moment. It gives you a, a powerfully, really helpful perspective on on death and suffering and, and mourning, because you know that's not the end. And that, that ought to be kind of a, a given in our lives. But also I think there's a sense here that, that, that Jesus has shown us, you know, you can come and get, I'm going to give you things to speak. That when you get into the situation, when you get alongside people, when you come down into the place of trouble and share in the troubles, there is a power that he wants to release, a prophetic word to speak into that situation, a word of consolation. And a word of consolation lifts you out of that place of trial and that place of difficulty. Many times, not immediately. But it gives us something that says, in this age, in this time, not just in the age to come, God is going to work something here. It's like King David said. He said, I'd have given up hope if I didn't believe I'd see the goodness of of God in the land of the living. It's not just in the age to come, but actually in, in, right in the present right now. Yeah. 
And if you think back to 1 Corinthians 14.3, the three things that it says prophecy is going to do is going to build up the church. Well, that's in the here and now. It's going to encourage, spur one another on. That's in the here and now. And it's going to console. It's going to bring consolation. And we can't just kind of bat that one into the, into the age to come, but say, Lord, I believe that I am, you are going to use me to speak your word, prophetic word, into situations that are going to be the means of you bringing people out of that place of trouble, out of that place of loss, out of that place of despair. In Matthew 25, uh, we read the... Well, I'm not sure whether to call it a parable, a story, or a prophecy of the sheep and the goats. It's a picture that Jesus paints of the final judgment and how he's going to judge. And in verse 33 of Matthew 25, it says this, He'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him and saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did you see a sick person in prison and visit you? When did we see you sick, sorry, in prison and visit or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And as I kind of looked at this passage, I just have a sense that Jesus is, is kind of putting some flesh on the blow, bones of what consolation is. It's getting alongside the sick, the naked, the stranger, the outcast. Even the guilty prisoner. And treating them as if they were Jesus himself. It's that movement of compassion. To put ourselves into those places. And I know many, many of you are really exemplary in that. But here's my encouragement. We don't comfort just naturally. We, we bring God's word. <clears throat> few things to say about consolation and prophecy consolation is a human act of solidarity consolation as I believe we read it in the scripture is a human act of solidarity it's that being with someone that in itself is powerful but prophecy is speaking to people from God so how much more powerful that when someone needs someone alongside them, to have someone alongside them who speaks God's word yes. and prophesies. Consolation has an impact in the here and now. It, it immediately, share, you know, we share one another's burdens, Jesus said. It immediately has an impact. But prophecy is speaking the now word. It's one of the ways to think about prophecy. It's, it's saying, this is what God is saying right now about this situation. This is the word that he wants to bring into this situation. You know, and you can do that. You can be alongside someone. It doesn't matter whether they're a believer or not. 
But you can be there and you can be showing them compassion and solidarity and consolation. But in no less way does the Holy Spirit want you not to also speak and say, I believe this is what God says to you right now. If he's given you the heart of compassion to be there, I believe he's also given you the anointing of his spirit to speak his word. Have that expectation. The next time you find yourself alongside someone that's in trouble, believe that God is going to speak his word through you. Because that's what prophecy is to do. That's what it's there for. He said that. And like we said last week, he said, your sons and daughters will prophesy. We all agreed we were somebody's son or somebody's daughter. And he'd pour out his spirit on all flesh. And we did, do, we did test that everyone in the room was made of flesh. Some of us are particularly well endowed. Others have less, but it's still flesh. We're qualified. We're, we're supremely qualified to prophesy. And he wants us to speak and bring his word Consolation gets alongside someone and stays alongside someone. Sometimes, like the testimony that Pilate and Nikki gave today, it happens through a body. Sometimes it might just be you in there, but sticking at it. Prophecy continues to work until it comes to pass. Isaiah tells us like the rain and the snow that comes down from heaven and waters the earth and doesn't return until it is produced what it was sent for, until it is produced a harvest. So, says God, is the word that I am sending to you. It continues to work. And Jesus elevates through his examples we find in the gospel, he elevates consolation from a shared grief to a hope of resurrection. Prophecy directs our attention to the risen Lord. We don't talk that much about hope. Somebody talked about it through the summer. Who was it that was on hope in the summer? Was it Joel? Paul says ultimately faith, hope and love are the three things that are going to remain and the greatest is love and we tend to kind of like park hope. Hope is eternal. It's not a temporary thing. And when we bring a prophetic word into those situations, we're we're sowing the seed of something that's eternal. So can you see that that this kind of human act of consolation and the way that God wants to to bring his prophetic word into situations, they, they, they run hand in hand. And like I said, many of you are very good at getting alongside people. But don't settle for being like the comforters that we read about in the gospel. That actually Jesus had to kick out of the room so he could bring what God actually wanted to bring into the situation. And please, please don't be comforters like Job's comforters. Yeah, that's uh, that really, it didn't bless Job <laughs> and it ain't going to bless anyone today. Don't, don't get in there and try and work it all out for yourself and... Maybe God is doing this, maybe God is doing that. You know, God interjects a couple of times in the book of Job, and he says, you know, you guys know, you know nothing. <laughs> you know nothing. But you know what? If you or I were in that situation, we'd have done a much better job. Why? Because we could have prophesied the word of God into that situation. Given Job genuine hope and encouragement. But do, as 
exhortation came from Daniel. Speak. Speak to people. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Prophesy and speak to people. We, we can be quite reluctant to open our mouths sometimes. Um, and, and I'm not sure that God gets frustrated. I'm not sure that the Holy Spirit gets frustrated. But if I were the Holy Spirit, which I'm not, but if I were the Holy Spirit, I would sometimes get frustrated with how reticent God's people are to speak. Because I go, look, look that's why I'm here. <laughs> that's what I've been sent into the world to do. That's why I'm filling you with myself every day because I want you to speak I want you to speak and the one who prophesies speaks to people for their consolation and when we do that you know what we're doing we're going to the uncomfortable places and we're bringing the comfort of God There are lots of uncomfortable places in this world. That's okay. That's kind of how the world is. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. If you like the old translations. Tribulation. But fear not, I've overcome the world. And it's possible to live as an overcomer in this life. That's what the first, or chapter 2 and 3 of of Revelation keeps reminding us. You know, To him who overcomes, to him who overcomes. That's the life. God wants you to live the life of overcoming. But you know... To be an overcomer, you've, there's often got to be something you've got to get over. And God is looking for people who are prepared to go down into the uncomfortable places where someone's suffering, where someone's troubled, where someone's crying out to God. And to go and bring the comfort of God into that situation. To be present, to show solidarity, but to go beyond that and to speak his word. You finish with this from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort that we ourselves are comforted by God. We can't comfort others because we've kind of learned the hard way and we've got the scars. Or because we've learned how to, you know, best deal with the negative circumstances around us. That wouldn't help us much at all. But when we know that, that supernatural working of God's comfort, where his word comes, his word comes and sustains us, his word comes and lifts us, his word comes and gives us something we can put under our feet and walk out of trouble on we say that we can do that we can do the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation I believe this morning there's an opportunity for a fresh prophetic anointing on those who are stirred to say, Lord, I want you to use me to be somebody who brings, speaks to people for their consolation, for their comfort. Maybe you're someone who already there's a real compassionate heart in you, but you're, 
aware of situations you've been into where you think, well, I was there and I showed solidarity and I, and I brought some level of, of, of comfort. And, but, but if only there was something more. Well, I believe God's saying there is something more. Or maybe it's, it's like, I don't know, I remember praying many, many years ago. Um, and I, I often slightly regretted it, but I remember praying, God, why, why can I listen to the news and all the horrible things that happen in the world and then just switch the channel over and listen to some music and it doesn't affect me? And, uh, and I remember the Holy Spirit doing a work which meant for months I couldn't listen to the news without crying. And I was kind of like, well, Lord, I'm glad you've kind of moved and given me a more compassionate heart, but this is kind of, you know, slightly inconvenient and embarrassing. Um, <laughs> Fortunately, I mostly listened to the news in the car as I was commuting, and I was by myself. But uh, um, that was all right. It was in the nineties. It was okay to be, you know drive long distances in the car by yourself in the nineties. Um, <laughs> but you know, maybe it's a work that you're saying actually, as I'm just listening to what's been shared this morning and listening to the scriptures this morning, you're saying I, I want a greater sense of that heart of compassion to even have the motivation to get in and alongside people in the first place. Or maybe it's the challenge of some of the things that were brought this morning. What Daniel shared about God saying, you've got to speak. If you want to see my power, you've got to speak. And um, what, what, whatever, whatever within in the, the whole kind of mix of everything that God has been bringing to us this morning. Um, I, I want to give opportunity just to, to pray with you. Um, and particularly because I do believe that God wants to impart a fresh anointing in, in those areas uh, this morning. So um, I'm just going to pray now. And then when I finish praying, if, if you'd like me to just to pray with you, um, then you're welcome to come to the front here. We'll, we'll close the meeting at that point, but you're welcome to come to the front. I'm just going to pray very simply because it's something the Holy Spirit's going to do. It's not something I'm going to do. Um, and just believe that there's going to be a fresh impartation and anointing for that. Father, we thank you for the amazing power that is at work in us who believe. Thank you that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead works in our bodies. Thank you, Lord, that you have ordained that you will release power when we speak in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we're in, we're in awe of... of what it can mean to be a prophetic people. And those authorized to speak on behalf of God. And so we just invite you afresh, Holy Spirit, to come and, and work in a new way in our lives. To add fresh measure of your anointing and your purpose and your calling. Impart new gift and further and greater demonstration of your power, Lord. Lord, I pray this for all of us here, Lord. Lord, that more and more we would be those who speak and see your word work powerfully in the lives of those around us. Amen. Lord, for us as a church, Lord, that we would know more and more your power at work in us and through us and among us. <laughs> and having an impact all across our city, Lord, we pray. And Lord, we ask all these things, Lord, for the glory of your name. The wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this teaching from City Church Coventry. You can find more great teaching and other resources on our website at www.citychurchcoventry.org.